What are you waiting for? You ever felt that way? Ever have that voice in your head like, what are you waiting for? Maybe you have a assertive spouse or an assertive friend or an assertive child even. And they said this to you, what, what, are you, what are you waiting for? Maybe uh, you've been dilly-dallying in your relationships. Maybe it's been difficult for you to form long-standing relationships. Maybe your love life is not as awesome as you'd like it to be. Maybe you've married a long, long time and your marriage feels a little stale. Maybe you don't have as many friends as you'd like. Your relationships are just not as good as you'd like them to be. What are you waiting for? If you haven't met the right person yet, go on more dates. What are you waiting for? My dad taught me this when I was a young man. He said, date a lot of women. Casually. Keep it casual. Don't touch them. Just go on a lot of dates and just be nice. And see what the Lord might do. If your love life is suffering, go on more dates. What are you waiting for? Maybe your fitness journey isn't exactly where you'd want it to be. I think I'm good, and then I see these famous preachers on Instagram, and they're so ripped. They've got these crazy biceps. The thing with me is if my biceps ever got huge, I could never wear a short sleeve shirt, because like, I feel like you're showing off. You know, like, I'll never have that problem, but these guys are crazy. Like, you know, they only drink water and broccoli. You know, it's, wow. So I think my fitness journey is okay, but then I realize, well, maybe not. Yeah, Lord, help me. I just, I, you know, I haven't found a workout plan that I really like. I haven't found an eating plan that really speaks to me. And this is true. I'm not just giving you an example here. Like, my wife will ask me every time I come home from the wine. She's like, did you have fun this time? She's always waiting for me to come home and say, yay, that was awesome. And I always hate it. I just hate it. I hate every minute of it. I hate it. I hate the sled push. I, I hate all of it. I hate it. I hate doing glute bridge. It's like, I'm doing glute bridge, and I feel like this is inappropriate. <laughs> if you know what glute bridge is, you know what I'm talking about. I hate it. Well, see, here's the thing about your fitness journey. You're never going to like any of the exercise plans you find or any of the meal plans that are suggested to you. You're never going to like any of them. So just do it. Just do it. What are you waiting for? This was a switch that flipped for me a few years ago. I was like, I just have to do it. Because I'm never, I was, I was waiting to like find something I really liked. I like playing basketball, but I had to retire at 38 because the only way I know how to play basketball is like how I preach. You can imagine how I play basketball. I almost fouled out of every game I ever played. I, I played for keeps. I play 100% full speed and I got to 38 and my knees started rejecting me. I was like, this is why they all retire at 38 from basketball. So I can't play basketball anymore, so... I figure I'll just do it. I'll just do it. I'll just do it. Maybe your holiness journey is looking like this. You've got a habit you just can't kick. You've got an addiction that just will not die. What you need to do with that is stop waiting for the addiction to die and lay a new behavior over it. And I'm not going to go into brain science here. I've referred to you many times, The Power of Habit, a powerful book by Charles Duhigg, not a Christian book, but he talks about habit and how it's formed and how it's almost impossible to break free from a habit. And when I read that book, it literally changed my life. I'll share one thought with you from that book. He said, you know, when you have an established habit in your life, to lay a new behavior over it requires practical steps, like eating an orange. So he talked about, literally, when you feel a, a trigger, you feel the moment coming where you're about to step into 
a destructive pattern that's become a long-standing habit in your life that you're trying to break. He said, just, just literally peel an orange and eat it. The shot of sugar in the orange will give you a little positivity in your mind, and it'll help you begin to walk free. What are you waiting for? Just start. Start laying the new behavior over the old one instead of waiting for the old one to die all the way, and maybe then I'll start walking in newness of life. What are you waiting for? I've got news for you this morning. There is no such thing as a perfect scenario. Heaven has already stepped in. So get to work. Let me show you what I mean from uh, Genesis 28. This is a good chapter. I could have preached this sermon on Tuesday. After last week, I was like, thank you, Jesus. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padan Aram to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Lavan, your mother's brother. Marry your cousin. That's biblical. I'm like, oh, wow. We missed that in Western culture. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings. Oh, it's so good. That God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram to Lavan, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau's mom. Now, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take a wife from there, and then as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. So when Esau saw, this is sad right here. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalat, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nevaiot. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold... There was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, will bring you back to this land. Hear this, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he put his head on and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. The name of the city was Luz at the first. And Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Very, very, very cool chapter. Thank God for this chapter. Your life is a mess. You need to do something about it. So start walking and watch how heaven 
will meet you along the way. Isn't that a great thesis? That thesis made me smile. Your life is a mess like Jacob's life. Verse 1 and 2. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him, directed him. Look, don't take a wife from one of these Canaanite women. You've got to leave. You've got to leave. You've got to go to Padan Aram and you've got to marry one of your cousins. Remember last chapter how it ended? Rebecca, his mom, is like, Isaac, you've got to send Jacob away. Why is he sending Jacob away? What happened in chapter 27? What did Jacob do? He stole Esau's blessing. He stole his blessing. What does Esau want to do as a result? He wants to, he wants to kill him. Rebecca catches wind of this. She's like, why should I be bereft of the two of you in one day? I'm going to send you away. Go away. So she goes and she's, she's a manipulator, basically. She's manipulating her husband now to send his son away. All of this happened. Jacob is being sent away because he and his mom stole Esau's blessing. Now Esau's going to murder him. Here's the first teachable point, and it's a doozy. If your life is a mess, it's probably your fault. <laughs> so like, let's, let's take that at face value and like, examine our life and go, okay, when is it my fault? Because sometimes it's your fault. Okay, so we receive that, and it makes us feel uncomfortable. Good. Mission accomplished. Next, let's put some compassion on it. And let's say that some of us come from really dark backgrounds. It's not your fault that your father abused you. It's not your fault that you were neglected and left alone. It's not your fault that your husband was an idiot. It's not your fault that your wife died. Okay? It's not your fault. That's not your fault. So whether your life is difficult because it is your fault, or your life is difficult because of the fall of man and woman, here's the thing. Even if you're reacting to a very hard journey, you still have a choice. So that's like, that's like a piece of like steak right there that you've got to chew slowly. Right? You have to chew all tofu slowly. I'm sorry. It's like, I hate tofu. Never found tofu that I liked, but I digress. You've got to chew that one slowly. You've got to let it marinate for a minute. Okay, whether your life is difficult because you're acting the fool or because you've come from a very difficult, hard journey, you still have a choice. You still have a choice. You still have a choice. You still have agency. Moment by moment, day by day, you still have a choice. You're not a victim. You don't have to be anymore. If you want to do something about it, figure out where you're operating from hurt, where you're operating from pain, where you're operating from dysfunction, and stop it. Figure it out. That may take some work. You've got to figure it out. Once you isolate it, you can say, I'm not going to do that anymore. You can make a decision. You have agency. Of course, if you're like me and your life is hard because you're a fool, then just stop acting the fool. Simple. Well, how? How do I stop? Well, you come to Jesus, step one. And then he sets you free from the power of sin, step two. And then you start walking in that freedom one small step at a time. So here's how I thought to unpack that. I thought, this week, make each next step a free step. So you can isolate that, right? In your behavior, you can go, is this step a free step? Or is this step a habit step? Is this step a hurt step? Is this step an idiot step? I don't know about you, but it'd be hard for me to, you know, figure my week out before it happens. But I could isolate the next step and make it a free step. 
Make it a, make it a free step. New Living Translation, Romans 8, 1 to 11. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did that so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Make your next step a free step. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you, Romans 8 9. If your life is a mess and you want to do something about it, come to Jesus and then start walking. crucial come to jesus and sit no come to jesus and walk arise verse two go to your mother's father if you want to be well you're going to have to go (laughs) have you gone anywhere lately gone anywhere in your life is your life always the same have you gone anywhere in your faith? Or you can't even remember the last time you stretched. Have you gone anywhere with your work? Are you achieving greatness? Are you going to go tomorrow and dominate the league that you play in for God's glory, your joy, and the good of the world? Or is it just business as usual? Have you gone anywhere in your relationships lately? When was the last time you shocked your spouse with your kindness? When was the last time you shocked your children with your attentiveness? When was the last time you amazed your friends with your goodness? When was the last time you did something that really scared you? I mean, really scared you. Like, I was scared to preach this sermon today. Really scared. Why? Because the text is so good, I am nowhere near good enough to preach it the way it should be preached. Okay, it freaks the heck out of me. When's the last time you did something that really scared you? Ah, but a man's reach, a woman's reach should exceed his grasp, should exceed her grasp, or what's a heaven for? Robert Browning. You want to fix your life? Start reaching. Start reaching. Because it's only when you reach that you need help. How do I know? Well, because of verses 3 and 4. God Almighty bless you. 
and make you fruitful and multiply you. That you may become a company of peoples. May he give you the blessing of Abraham and to your offspring with you that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. God Almighty bless you. You need something you can't get. You need the blessing of God. You can't get it. So you need to reach to the point that you are in need. When you are in need, God will step into the room you make for him. Quoting my father there who taught me that one. God Almighty bless you. You know what's wonderful here in the Hebrew? God Almighty is El Shaddai. Who is El Shaddai? He is the God who suffices. The God who is enough. May the God who is enough bless you. Question for you. Do you seek to fix your life? Do you believe it? Do you believe that God is enough? Do you trust Him? If you do, He's going to do some amazing things. Here's a list. I got a list. Here's the order of the list that it's in. It goes, not Reggie, Jay-Z, Tupac, and Biggie, Andre from Outcast, Jada, Corrupt, Nas, and then me. No, it goes, bless you. He'll bless you. It's one of the amazing things. He'll make you into a fruit. You're like, great, that sounds fun. Of the Spirit. In the Hebrew here, he'll make you fruitful. Literally, he's yeparecha. He'll make you into a fruit. That works great for a New Testament preacher. That's one of the key images of the New Testament, right? That God is making you into a fruit. By your fruit shall you be known. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He'll multiply you. Feel it until you fulfill the promise of Eden. That's powerful. Until you fulfill the promise of Eden, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. God will do this in you. It's beautiful. He's going to place you in an august lineage. Into the very lineage of Abraham, God's friend. He's going to place you in that august lineage, both you and your kids, and you're going to own the land of your sojourning someday. How's that applicable to you? The struggle you're walking through? You're going to own that territory someday. Let's chew on that like a tasty piece of tofu just for a second. You're going to own your struggle someday. I could say celebrate! <laughs> celebrate! You're going to own your struggle someday. Because God's going to give you that territory through Abraham's line in Christ. Romans 8, 31 to 38, New King James. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, yet 
in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall ever be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord Bless the Lord God of hosts who was and is and is to come. God has given, is giving, will give you everything you need. So do not take matters into your own hands in a vain attempt to make yourself acceptable like Esau does in verses 6 through 9. Dad doesn't like Canaanite girls. I guess I better find a third wife. Sad, man. Don't try and do it yourself. Instead, start walking and God will meet you along the way. Verses 10 through 15 in our source text. So, Jacob left Beersheba, went to Haran, came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. It's like super epic. Unpack this. Oh, here's the point, by the way. Heaven meets you along the way. It meets you along the way. Start walking. Look, because heaven meets you along the way, don't despair if you don't know exactly where you're going. You see this in the text. Jacob went towards Haran. It's kind of like general. Just set off in the general direction. Imagine being him. He's never been there before. Where am I going exactly, Lord? Just go towards Haran. Point for you. Don't despair if you don't know exactly where you're going. Just keep going. Learn to be content with and still act on general direction. You ever receive general direction from God? Show me your hand. Have you ever received like general direction? A few of you. Right? It's not always as specific as you'd like. Am I right? Turn left at the dead cat and then hang a right by the tree with the really spindly arm. Let's turn right there. Let's see a house with the red door. That's where I want you to go today. Unfortunately, it's just not that specific. So you need to learn to be content and still act on general direction. Heaven meets you along the way. Know that. Live like it. Heaven meets you along the way. So don't worry. If your life seems mundane, because that's what it is in verse 11. Yet look at it. He, he came to a certain place. There's no trumpets. Ta-da, ta-da. He came to the gates of Eden. No, it's just a certain place. Doesn't even have a name. It's so mundane, it doesn't even have a name. And it's sunset. And what do we know about sunset? It happens every day. Didn't even say it was a beautiful sunset. Worth posting, look at the sunset, right? Hashtag glory. No, it's just another sunset. Just another sunset happens every day. It's time to sleep. 
What do we know about us? Like, every day, it's time to sleep. You're like, I'm tired. This happens every day. This is normal, everyday stuff. And he doesn't even have a pillow. You take a rock for a pillow. You ever have to, like, use your backpack at the airport for a pillow? And it's like you keep laying on all the bumpy parts from your computer, and you can't find a comfy spot. And you got to loop your arm through it so that no one steals it while you're sleeping. And if you're like me, you, like, lie under the chairs because you want to feel like you're enclosed. It's terrible, right? He's sleeping with his head on a rock. So look, if your life feels unspectacular, you're biblical. You can take the pressure off, man. If your life is unspectacular, you're biblical. Heaven meets you along the way. So what happens in verses 12 through 13? He's sleeping and he sees a picture of Jacob's ladder. A ladder that reaches from heaven to earth and angels are ascending and descending and over and above it all God stands. Heaven meets you along the way. Sometimes heaven will meet you in dreams. Every time I come to a dream sequence in the Bible that made the Bible, that's meant to be taught to you in a way that's authoritative and useful for building your life and godliness, I'll point it out. Sometimes God speaks through dreams. Heaven meets you along the way. Sometimes at the intersection of heaven and earth. That's what this ladder is. It's a highway between heaven and earth. And there are places where heaven and earth intersect, where dust and divinity kind of go for a little time of dancing together. This happens in art, this happens in beauty, this happens in love, this happens with a wonderful meal at Jared Irvin's house, right? Heaven touches earth, this happens on Sunday at Grace, this happens in relationship with your spouse sometimes. This happens as you see your children grow into something that you could have never made happen. Heaven touches earth, sometimes God speaks to you there, heaven will meet you along the way. Sometimes, heaven meets you along the way in out and out supernatural things like angels showing up. But always, verse 13, the Lord stands above it all. You want to fix your life? Keep your eyes up on Jesus. Okay? You want to fix your life? Keep your eyes up on Jesus because ultimately God is the answer. Verses 13b through 15. Ultimately God is the answer. The land, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east, the north and the south. And in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Some things to keep in mind here when God shows up. 13b, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. God reveals himself relationally. So as you look to fix your life, you're looking to encounter God, expect Him to reveal Himself to you relationally. You want to fix your life? Flee isolation. Flee it. And all we introverts said, amen. Flee it. Flee isolation and know that you're exactly where you need to be. 13c, the land on which you lie, I will give to you. Isn't that beautiful? The land that you're lying on, I will give to you. Church, you're already in your destiny. You want to fix your life? Stop looking for the next thing and embrace this thing as a gift from God. Knowing that you're part of something epically good and messianically good. How do I know it's messianically good? Because in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 14c, except in the Hebrew it says this, and in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the dirt be blessed. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. But 
Jesus. But Jesus. Dust is your destiny, except for Jesus. It was fully God and became fully man so that he could go to a cross to suffer and die in your place for your sin. So that our holy God could lay on him the penalty for your sin and mine. So that he could die the death that you ought to die. So that he could rise again in newness of life, defeating its power once and for all. So that he could then ascend back to his Father's right hand, sit down in victory, to begin interceding for, for you. A place from which he'll come again someday to start his kingdom up. The kingdom that he's made with you in mind. But Jesus. But Jesus. I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God is with you. He will keep you wherever you go, and he will bring you home. You want to fix your life? Start living like God will not leave you until he accomplishes all his purpose for you. And look, if you're the kind of person who needs guarantees, I'm here to tell you this morning that God himself is your guarantee. putting all our chips on Jesus. So get to work, and worship team, you can join me because I'm done. It's exactly what Jacob does in verses 16 through 22. I won't read it to you for the sake of time. I'll just paraphrase it. He wakes up. It's like, God is here. I had no idea. That's really scary. This place is awesome. I'm going to call it Bethel, Bethel, the house of God. This is the gateway of heaven. You want to fix your life, wake up from your slumber, recognize God's presence, admit your ignorance, I had no idea, and be healthily afraid of God to the point that you do something about it. What does he do? He wakes up that morning, he takes the rock that he'd been using for a pillar, and he turns it into an altar. Take the regular things of your life, the normal everyday things, like the rock you were sleeping on, and turn them into something special because of what God has done. Hashtag, make every place holy. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you, so you do have the capacity to make every place holy, and you don't even need to carry a vial of anointing oil around with you all the time. Keep your requests simple. Notice that he just asked for three simple things. Food, clothing, and a return trip. That spoke to me. I need to revise my expectations. Food, clothing, and a promise that he will bring me home. And then, put your money where your mouth is. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Here's that tithing thing again. He saw his grandpa, well, he would have heard the story of his grandpa doing this, giving 10% of the spoils to King Melchizedek. So by now, this is an entrenched habit in this family that is the founding family of Judaism. When you study the Old Testament, 10%, which is like the tithing thing, which is disputed all around the Christian world, is just the baseline in the Old Testament. It's the starting point. From there it grows to between 22 and 28%, depending on the year. Okay, 10% is just the starting point. And of everything you give me, a full tenth I will give to you. We tithe, why? Because we're giving back to God, who has so graciously given to us. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Matthew 6, 21. So let's go. 
Your life is a mess. You need to do something about it. So start walking and watch how heaven meets you along the way. What are you waiting for?